Yeah. And honestly, it's very unlikely for that to happen. And if it does, it's a huge red flag. That means you will always like they're like that if they really say like, oh, Cody, we're we're going to have to pull back the offer just because you negotiate your salary. What's going to happen when you ask for a promotion? What's going to happen when you ask for additional resources because you're being burned out and overworked? What's going to happen when you say I cannot, you know, attend meetings on, you know, Friday night at 10 p.m. and be working? What is going to happen? All these case scenarios. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Claudia Miller here with me today. She is the owner of Claudia T. Miller LLC, career coaching and is bilingual career coach and host of her own podcast, Roadmap to the Executive Suite. She helps serious professionals secure dream jobs with dream salaries at their dream companies, including fast-growing startups, rockstar mid-sized companies, and Fortune 500 and tech giants. She also helps her clients negotiate salary increases of up to $50,000. Business Insider names her as one of the top 23 most innovative career coaches of 2020. And with that, welcome to Money Talkers, Claudia. Hi, Cody. Thanks. I am so excited uh, for today's episode. I am too. You know, uh, one of the funny things about this, and I want to tell the story a little later, but uh, I did not know that you could negotiate salaries. I just, as a kid, like assumed somebody said, this job pays $12 an hour. And I was like, okay, that's what it pays. Like no clue that I could be like, I want 13, you know, yeah. or, like, or especially as you got into like career positions that like, it's a big deal. There's a large mm -hmm. spread and nobody talks about it in there. And so um, I'm curious, like, what was your, did you have an aha moment when it came to that as well as you got into this field? To be honest, I don't even know how I got into like, uh, started negotiating. Well, I don't even know how I even realized you can negotiate your salary because I mean, my mom, like growing up, like I'm the first one in my family to graduate from college. I, and I believe like my mom, my, both my dad and my mom have sixth grade education. So, I mean, grammar school, high school, now I have a master's degree, but I just remember my first job in Carson Peary Scott. It's like a department store. And they told me, you know, the, uh, the job pays seven twenty five. And I was like, well, can we make it seven fifty? She's like, sure. And I was like, great. And I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, I just like seven fifty better than seven twenty five. It wasn't because I was out to get like I want to make more money. It, I just asked, and then I, I guess somehow I just became conscious that you can do it, and been doing it ever since then. That's one of my favorite sayings um, in business and in life, is that if you never ask, the answer is always no. Mm -hmm. Right. And I find that like in your field, it's so crazy. I hired so many people over the years. And when they, when they asked, 
a lot of times we gave them what they were asking for if it was reasonable and that 25 cents an hour doesn't sound like much, but it adds up a lot in a six months or a year. And then it gives you a new launching pad to, to go. It's like, instead of them giving you something from 725 to 750 next, then it's 750 to eight or whatever it is, you know? Exactly. Because I do see that a lot of people base their next salary or their next salary for their next job based on what they're currently making. Yeah. So kind of like where you mentioned that launch pad. So I think it's very important to negotiate your salary, especially when we, I mean, like from my perspective, most managers and even executives and recruiters that I brought in on my podcast, they tell me, Hey, we have an allocated budget. I usually stay within the middle. So if they negotiate, I'm still within budget and it's not, you know, I have to scrape up and find more money, but no one ever negotiates. So there's so much money left on the table. So it's, it's all about asking and, I was actually looking at a stat where it said, like, according to pay scale, 75% of people that ask for a raise get a raise. So just asking already puts you in a very uh, successful position. I wonder what percentage of people ask for the raise, though. Um, There is a discrepancy between men and women. Uh, Men tend to ask more for a salary increase than women. But I I, I mean, I don't know the exact stats. I know it's something around 30 and 40%. So 40% probably of men, around 30 or so of women um, that tend to ask for their salary. But I mean, so that I tells me like, 60, 60% of men and 70% of women aren't even asking to increase their pay. Yeah. And I've even worked with um, executives where, you know, it's the VP of sales and, you know, they shyly tell me I've actually never negotiated my salary. I don't even know how I'm like, how like you negotiate contracts, like you are managing a business right now with like $500 million in revenue and you haven't. But again, not a lot of people talk about it or even give you tangible advice. They just say, you know, Cody, just negotiate your salary. Okay. How? Yeah. What that's do I where say? We're going to dive into that because <laughs> I, I think it, this is such a massive skill for young people to learn. And I think about the compounding effect that it will have, because if they can learn this at 12, 14, 16, 18 years old, when many people don't learn this skill their entire life, it is going to have a massive difference of what they can make over their over their lifetime if they choose that route you know yeah. obviously i'm an I've, I've twice i've worked for fortune 500 companies uh but the rest of my life i've been an entrepreneur so the only way i've ever known to negotiate my salary was to get more leads or make more conversions like that's the only two things i know how to focus on other than in corporate world i correct me if i'm wrong but i wonder if people don't tell i wonder if people don't talk about this much because the people who know that are in charge have no, have a disincentive to talk about rate you negotiating a higher salary because they're the ones in the position that have to give it away. Yeah. But also I would say like, they, like they're, I honestly think like, it's just our culture where we it's taboo about talking about money, even just salaries alone. Like you probably, we don't a lot. Well, I do. Cause it's a little bit more of like what I do and people feel comfortable sharing with me. And, but I mean, most people don't know what their friends make. Sometimes like you don't, most people don't even know what their boyfriend or, you know, spouse makes or fiance. They figure out like maybe a little too late, but they don't talk about it. Just like same thing, credit card debt. And, you know, what is your credit score? Like, we just don't talk about, unless it's like someone that says like, oh yeah, I have an 850 credit score. Like it, mine's amazing. But otherwise you don't hear that person's like, well, I have a, you know, 600 um, credit score. So it's just taboo overall in our culture to not talk about money. And especially because it's, you know, we tend to, people tend to see it as, oh, it's sleazy or you're being greedy or 
you know, um, what if they take the job off? I should just be grateful and all these things happening around. But I really do think it's just really around culture, whereas other cultures, um, they negotiate all the time when they go to the market, um, they go buy groceries, like it's negotiation all the time. So they're very comfortable with it. But here it's, we go to Target or we buy groceries. That's the price. There's no negotiation. If I, if I don't want to pay the price, then I just don't buy it or I go somewhere else. Not if I can have anything to do with it. We're changing this because <laughs> I, I, and my wife will roll her eyes, but I do it all the time. One of the, my favorite places to do it is Best Buy. Mm. Best Buy is completely negotiable. A <laughs> <laughs> little known fact. You can go over your, and so is Lowe's. I do it in Lowe's all the time. Okay. Especially if you find something that they've got maybe like on a clearance rack or something. I mean, dude, I've, I have, last time I was in Lowe's, I wanted this uh, big umbrella thing and it's for the outside, like a, like a pool umbrella, like setup thing. And it's really cool. And they were on, they were, they were uh, $500 and they had, I kept looking at them and cause I go in there a lot, I do a lot of construction stuff. So like, then they pulled them all off the rack and they put them like right in the center aisle and they were marked down to like 250. And I was like, Oh, I'm buying one of those. So I went, grabbed the manager and I said, Hey, you guys got these marked down to 250. He's like, yeah, man, we're basically giving those away. I said, I'll, Why I'll take, you I'll, I'll, I go, I'll take two of them for two fifty. He was like, what? No, they're $250. I go, buddy, how much does that floor space costing you by having these things in the way? And you're obviously not selling them because they're in the middle of the aisle. Now where your most, your most sellable stuff should be. I was like, I'm saving you money by giving you, by taking two of these giant umbrellas off of your hands for 250 bucks. And he was like, all right, you know? And so like, <laughs> We don't realize that they have these, you know, yeah. everything is negotiable in these ideas. And so I think in the, in the career world, that whole thing, like, if you don't ask, you answer is always no. Do you think that the, what, what are some of the reasons that hold people back from having those conversations with the recruiter or with the owner, if they're meeting in a small business, like. So there's uh, various reasons. One, like I said, mindset is, you know, I don't want to come off as greedy. Um, I shouldn't rock the boat. I, what if they re, like take back the offer and That's I should the just one be I'm happy wondering if, they, if people think they're going to lose the job. Yeah. And honestly, it's very unlikely for that to happen. And if it does, it's a huge red flag. That means you will always like, they're like that. If they really say like, Oh, Cody, we're, we're going to have to pull back the offer just because you negotiate your salary. What's going to happen when you ask for a promotion? What's going to happen when you ask for additional resources because you're being burned out and overworked? What's going to happen when you say, I cannot, you know, attend meetings on, you know, Friday night at 10 PM and be working. What is going to happen? All these case scenarios. So to me, that's a red flag where if they do take back the offer, you just been saved. You run away from the company as fast as possible. But it's very unlike, I've had clients where they negotiated 20, 30K and received even now, um, they received up to $100,000 in salary increases. Nobody pulled back the offer. Now it's more like, we'll offer you a retention bonus. Just please don't leave <laughs> once we hire you. So it's really, so th there's that concept of mindset, but then even if they wanted to negotiate, it's like, well, how do I negotiate? What do I say? How do I know how much I should be asking for? And then how do I know I can even negotiate my salary? Like I'm, I've been working now at this job or I just started working. I just got the job offer. So I think that there's just so many variables. And again, a lot of people talk more theory than anything or very surface level. Like, well, you're, you know, you're supposed to negotiate your salary. Okay. Yes. I know that, but I don't know how, like teach me how, yeah. well, just, you just got to figure it on your own, but you got to negotiate your salary. <laughs> 
So that's what I love talking about it because I like to give actionable steps. Yeah. And I want to, I want to hop into those actionable steps with you because I think that that's where the money is. You know, um, I, I, I am a 100% believer that the phrase knowledge is power is completely shredded these days. Right. Because it doesn't matter what you know, because you can find, you can look up anything in three seconds these days. So we have actually an overabundance of knowledge. It's the action of taking the knowledge and using it to do, to benefit yourself. That's where the new money is. So for me, action is power. And so I definitely want to get into that, the actual part of it with you. Um, But I also, I kind of want to mention this because we're talking about, you know, salaries and in, in, and in large companies, but as with the podcast, you know, this is parents talking to their kids, they can negotiate on these, you know, per hours that they do. And what we used to what I used to really like to do is I actually liked when there was a young person in my office coming in for a job, and maybe they didn't have a position to negotiate from experience, which I think is probably another thing that holds people back, especially in that entry level stuff, or like that, just above entry level thing. And, um, but I liked the kids that said, Hey, you know, I know you're paying $8 an hour, but I want to make 12 within 90 days. Like, how could I do that? And he would ask me and I would give them a plan, but I wanted those people in my office because that meant they weren't going to do $8 worth of work for $8 worth of, you know, an an hour. They were going to try to figure out how to make $12 an hour ahead of time. And then, and then work that hard. So I got, I got a benefit. They got a benefit. And I think people need to understand that if you, if you pitch it in the right direction, If you can pitch it as a benefit to the company, not just a, what do I get? Right. So I, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, you know, what I tell people is instead of being on like the fearful side of like, well, what do they think I'm greedy? No, actually, if you negotiate your salary, that's a confidence trigger. You Mm -hmm. are now showing me to the hiring manager that one, you're really good at having awkward conversations. It is awkward, but you don't have to make it awkward. It's, It's not awkward. It's uncomfortable conversations. And then two, if you're confident enough to do this the right way and ask for that increase, then I feel comfortable um, giving you that responsibility to negotiate on behalf of the company because you're able to do so, so eloquently. So yeah, Cody, you know, if I see anything like related to vendors or contracts, I want, I feel comfortable giving you that responsibility because you did such a great job creating that value. And I was more than happy to give you that raise that I can, you know, I will, I see you in a different light as mm-hmm. opposed to that person's like, okay. And, you know, I've even had um, clients where, and, you know, I'm very, like, I'm very close to like hiring managers and recruiters and HR people, because I want to make sure I have a, a good pulse in the market, but they tell me if someone doesn't negotiate their salary, I mean, how confident are they, especially if they're going into sales. If you're in sales, you definitely should negotiate. It's just part of it. But that's how you need to change your mindset. I need to come across as confident. I need to show them that I am good at having uncomfortable conversations, especially if I don't want to show that I'm a leader or I could be a great, you know, potential manager or director. I need to be able to do this for myself. And that's why I need to do it. And it's just part of the process. Just like signing that job offer, salary negotiation is just part of the process. It, it, when I didn't see people asking for more, how they could, I, my favorite was, was like, how could I earn more? Right. Because mm-hmm. then you're thinking of, okay, what could I do to benefit? I'm willing to put the work in. When I didn't hear that, when someone just was like, okay, great. Like I really need, like it, then I started, it was, you know, you talk about red flag for the company as the hiring person, it was almost like, okay, now I got to keep an eye on them because now I feel like I may have overhired, you know, uh, into the position because 
I want them to be able to have the responsibility and I don't, I want them to say, look, you know, like, how do you have an aspirational employee as opposed to just thankful to have a job? Thank God I'm making enough, I'm making a little more than I was at my last job. And it's like, well, exactly. you know, why? Well, the, other, <laughs> the other thing about that is, you know, a lot of people will come to me afterwards saying, well, I know I need to negotiate my salary because I just found out my coworker makes more money than I am. And we're doing the same job. And sometimes I'm like, I agree. Sometimes they are, you know, systematic and reasons why the person gets offered more or less. But then again, we don't know if that person negotiated their salary. That's why they're getting paid more. So don't be angry because this person make be angry at yourself that you didn't negotiate your salary yeah. and that you're not taking that initiative to say, if they don't give me this much and I know what my value is in the market, then I'm going to go find somewhere else that will pay me that market rate. So even like other studies that I've read is that like kind of like that employee that was enthusiastic, like, yes, thank you so much. I'm so excited to negotiate their salary. Well, now once they find out what maybe their friends are making in another company, that person's going to leave immediately because they're going to say, well, I don't know. I was being underpaid. And you're like, well, you knew what I was making, but you didn't ask for more. Like, what do you expect? And that person, as soon as they get even like a few dollars more or a few, you know, $3,000, $5,000 more, that person's going to leave, but not the person that negotiated their salary. Because yeah. one, they're probably at a radio market rate. And two, they're saying, you know what? Like I have a really great relationship. Like it just builds better camaraderie, teamwork, um, respect. And then because they know that they're paid well and like they ask for it, they're not looking for other opportunities. And they're not saying like, oh, $5,000 is not going to like take them from that job. Instead, they can say like, well, I know I can make this here because I got the salary and I'm being um, given responsibilities and there's a lot of growth opportunity. So there's just so many dynamics around it. So really negotiating your salary puts you and enables you for success. I, you know, that's such a, that's uh, uh, <laughs> such a kind of like a, a, I don't even know how to say it, but it's like, you know, we have this vision in our head that like, we can't do it. It's uncomfortable. We shouldn't do it. And then like, it's the total opposite, but it's not, like you said, it's not, we don't culturally in America, like we don't, we, we think that it's the other way around and it's not, it's, it's, it actually builds a better relationship that you do it, not fractured a bad relationship. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't really think I ever had anybody. I think if I think I had maybe one or two people that I couldn't work something out with where it was like, no, I need to make X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, you're in the wrong job. Mm -hmm. right? You can't do this job and make X, Y, Z. If you can do this job and you're not ready for that, this is how you, I know, mean, let's make a pathway to get there. Yeah, you know? exactly. And so I can't even remember like anybody that did that. And I was like, you know, sometimes it was a no, <laughs> but they asked and I knew. And so I said, if you want to get there, this is the pathway of work you have to do to get there, you know? And exactly. I was happy, to, even I was happy just, to help those people. Yeah. Just asking really makes a huge difference. And sometimes you will get a no. I'm not going to, I'm not saying you're always going to get yeses. There will be a time it would say no, but the no's can really differentiate. Kind of like you said, no, but you know what, let's, let's set up a path or let's create that path. Whereas you had not asked that conversation would never been prompted or especially at least during that time or that early. And sometimes it would be yes. For example, like I had a manager where I've already been doing the work for close to three years at this point, I was already handpicked by the CEO to lead a task force where professionals are like directors and, you know, um, senior directors. And a lot of them had more experience than I had been alive at that point, but <laughs> I had delivered results immediately. And it was disproportionate that it attracted the attention. And I was leading that task force. So I clearly, I had already um, great success and benefits in my role. And I was ready for that next step. And one thing my boss told me is, 
you know what, um, you need to be patient. I was in my role for 10 years and then I got promoted and this is how I came to be where I am today. And I realized that my career was going to be based on the person above me, whether that person left, retired or got promoted. That's the only way I would get ahead. So I have a choice. Either one, I can say, all right, I'm okay with that and let it be. Or two, I said, there's no way that I'm going to let someone else um, take control of my career. I know I'm ready. So if you're not willing to promote me or get me there, I totally understand. I'm not here to change anyone's mind. I'm not here to be anyone's therapist to change their mind. All I said is I understand your mindset. I understand how you think I'm going to go elsewhere. And within a few months, I got a job offer making $30,000 more with more benefits. And all of a sudden my boss came and said, well, what can we do to keep you? Like, we won't be able to match you the entire raise that, um, or the salary that they gave you, but we can meet you halfway and I'll give you a better title. All of a sudden it was always there. So again, it's because I took that initiative and I'm not saying, you know, everyone has a different situation, but you do have options. But you did what was important first, right? Which is I, and, and this was some of my best career advice to young people is outwork your pay plan and either it'll catch up or somebody else will, will see it. Yep. Right. It always comes up. And it, you, if you have that longevity and you don't bounce because you're angry at the company, if you become the shining star and you outwork your pay plan, you go above and beyond and you don't work to the dollar amount. Let's say it's like I think about like the per hour stuff. Like if you're if you've got a twelve dollar an hour job, work it like it's a twenty dollar an hour job and it'll catch up because if you go out and do the things that are above and beyond over time, it always shines through. And if the people recognize that your company don't recognize it or they think they can kind of keep you at that 12 or you know 35,000 or 60,000 or 90,000 whatever it is whatever your number is if you show that like you said if you show the results then either they're going to reward you and if they think they can you know keep a position of not doing it somebody else in your industry somebody else in your businesses has seen you and will you your name will pop up yeah exactly i mean um, and even kind of like what you said, like, I, and I don't mean to say like, oh, always job hop. My, 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 my more overall advice is find the right company that can nurture you and help you grow. So for example, like, it sounds like, I mean, how you work with like some of your employees, Cody, it's more of like, Hey, I'll help you get there. That is worth a lot in value where now I'm happy. Like you are, you're a great mentor. You're showing your employee, like how to get there. They get to advance and have those opportunities that the opportunities will come and then you're working towards them. Now, you know, I always say like people are in different stages of their life, but I always say like, yes, you should be charging what the market rate. And you might be in that area of life where you're like, I need to make money because I've done all the learning. I've done all the work. Now I'm here to optimize my earning potential. Great. But also make sure that you're also working for the right company because they can set you up for failure before you even walk in the door or two, that they're just going to limit you with the resources that you're not going to be successful and it's going to hinder you. And then all of a sudden they're going to bring that against like pay for you. So I say like, why don't we look all the whole entire aspect of it and let's make sure we ensure and enable success, great culture, great company, great boss, great pay. And then how do I sharpen those skill sets to that way? Um, I can become a master of this role and then move on to the next one. Yeah. It, um, <clears throat> It reminds me of um, the uh, I'm trying to think the um, 
what are they called? The the guys who go out and do the rescues in the water, right? If you have like a boat capsize and that kind of oh, stuff. I was like bar rescue. <laughs> 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 no, the water, I don't know. That um, why can't I think of the name of it? It's not the Navy. Um, it's a Coast Guard. Okay, so the Coast oh, okay. Guard. So this, this was one of the things I heard a long time ago. And it stuck with me forever uh, as going through different companies and stuff. But like when the Coast Guard goes out and the hell they have a helicopter and there's a boat, let's say there's a boat capsized and there's 20 people in the water um, or they pull the boat up and they can hold, you know, let's say 10 people. Right. In their training, they talk about how do you pick the 10 people? Right. Because imagine like being you're in this helicopter, you're flying out in the ocean you're going down, you're hanging by the rope, you know, you can, you got this little thing you got to put people in and there's 20 people in the water. Like what kind of moral decisions do you have to make right at that point? Like which 10 do you take? Right. And so they have a rule in that um, to, to kind of take the black and white piece so that they don't have to, you know, put it on just the rescuer. Um, But they say it's the 10, it's the people who are swimming towards the the rescue are the ones that they rescue first. Right. And so I've always kept that mentality in my brain of the people who ask me how to get to advancement are the people that I put my time in to push an advancement because I am at that point. I, I, even if I see somebody with massive talent, if they don't have the want, it's pushing a string. It's going to get frustrating yeah. for me. Like they're not, they're not, they don't want it. And so if you don't get it, you don't want it. You don't have the capacity to do it. You have to have all three pieces. And sometimes you don't have the capacity. And you don't, or you don't, uh, you don't get it yet because you're earlier in your career. But if you show that you want it, the other ones are teachable. Mm-hmm. So asking yeah. for those things, right? Like, how do I get up the, how do I get up the ladder? And like you said, if you run into a wall and they're like, talk to me in 10 years, like you're probably in the wrong spot. Cause you're not, you either gotta be compliant. You gotta be complacent with where you're at and live with it, or you gotta start looking. Right. Yeah. But if I you mean- say, I want to move up and I want to be this director, you know? well, we don't have a director role. Well, what would it take to create one? How could we benefit the company with a director role? Like, I want to do that. Tell me how to do, tell me what you see I could do to get there. Those are the people that are swimming towards the rescue boat that you're going to help. Exactly. Um, And I was going to say something um, of like, even just asking, having those conversations, because I worked with clients where they tell me I was passed up for a promotion. And I asked them, well, what kind of conversations happen with your manager? And what, what was the conversation? What metrics did you discuss in order to get there? Oh, I never told them that I wanted the promotion or I wanted to move to the next step in the career. Okay, well, you know, not everyone is a mind reader. Not everyone wants to get promoted. I know people, they're, they're at a different time in their life where they're like, I just want to do the work and clock out at five o'clock. I don't want any responsibilities. I don't want to manage people. I don't like managing people. <laughs> And that's okay. So not everyone wants to get promoted. So don't be angry when you don't get, when you get passed up for a promotion, but you never had that conversation with your manager. And even sometimes it's all about creating your opportunities. Kind of like to that point where you said, hey, I want that director position. And well, there's no director position. Well, another way to, to ask for that is like, I realized based on what we're, where the company's trying to go and to achieve in the next six to 12 months is we're looking to achieve, you know, right now we're doing $200 million in um, in revenue, but we want to get to the 300. I did a competitive analysis against our competitors. And what we're, we could be doing is we can be increasing this line of business by adding this product or service. And here are some of the ideas. And I can, you know, I can develop a plan. Why not? You know, this would be a great position for as director. And I can oversee this and help the company get there. All of a sudden, it's like a partnership. It's like, oh, 
Thank you. So it's not always having the manager have to figure it out either, or the owner is sometimes you have to figure that out yourself and create those opportunities. And you'd be surprised how many people will be happy because not, I mean, how many, I don't know, I'm not that many people that would do it except for my clients. But aside from that, there's not a lot of people that would do that. Yeah. Well, you see the sign above my head, right? It says either I will find a way or I'll create a way. And like, I believe in that hundred percent because if you believe that the box is one size, you're not looking about what's outside of the box, right? And to say, okay, I can make the box bigger for myself to create a position. And so I want to circle back to what we started talking about earlier so that we don't miss out on this. So I want some actionable tips from you on, I'd like if you could do two different perspectives. One, someone who's in negotiation for salaries, maybe coming out of college, or maybe even adults that are listening as parents, like that they didn't realize like, okay, because now we had the biggest labor shortage we've ever had. It's like a golden era to start kind of negotiating salary in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and then two, I'd like you to give some tips for younger people that maybe parents could pass along so that as they get into the workforce, we can change their trajectory so that those platforms are building faster and bigger over time. And that once they learn the framework of negotiation, it's going to benefit them for the rest of their lives. Lifetime. Yeah. Compound. Yeah. The compound it compounds effect. interest. Yeah. It's compound salary, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so one of the things about salary negotiation is like I mentioned, people base a lot of their salary based on how much they're currently making. Mm -hmm. And I like to use this analogy and I think your listeners will love it. Cause you know, I know you talk about real estate is imagine you bought a house for a hundred thousand dollars. All right, Cody. So you bought a house for a hundred thousand. I want to buy your house for 300,000. You know, I think it's a really great property. I want to buy $300,000. Are you really oh. going to tell me, Claudia, <laughs> I bought this house for a hundred thousand. It's only right that I sell it to you for 120,000. I mean, I, I did buy it for a hundred thousand. Are you really going to say that? I mean, most people are not going to say that. They're going to say, I yes, love that idea. Yeah. 300,000. Same thing comparison. with your salary. Charge what the market is paying, not how much you're currently making. If the market list, and I've had, you know, clients where they come to me and they're making maybe like around 60,000. I quickly do research. I'm like, you know, you're doing a $90,000 job. Like, even if you just make a lateral move, you could be making 90,000. I'm not even saying getting your MBA, getting certifications, moving to like, it was like an analyst job. And it was, you don't even have to apply to a senior analyst. You're ready. But if you don't want to, you could be making $90,000 doing the same job. It's like, well, I think I can maybe in a year or two. And I'm like, why? I'm telling you, you don't have to learn any new skill sets, like new systems, but nothing new. It's the same job. So again, we are so anchored by how much we're currently making that we base all our next promotions, our jobs based on how much we're currently making. And that is a huge no, just like in real estate, you're think about your careers in real estate. We want to charge what the market is paying. If they're willing to pay you $90,000 for the same job you're doing for 60, you know, why not? So that'll be like my, my number one advice. And, you know, my, it's a huge thing around mindset. So really figure out what is preventing you. Is it fear or is it strategy? If it's fear, you need to figure that out. Why? Are you going to pull back the job offer? Do you think I'm greedy? And work through that and listen again to this episode where, you know, I we talk about more of it's a confidence trigger. It actually makes me feel more confident and happy to hire you as opposed to, you know, now you seem too excited that I, are you going to be able to deliver what I just hired you on? So yeah. figure that mindset of what's holding you back and then how to figure out, well, how much is the market paying? I don't know what the market pay market is willing to pay for my services or my work or my skill set. Well, that's when you got to figure out and go into the field. And what I mean by that is 
go on LinkedIn and look up people that used to be in the position that you're looking into. So if you're trying to figure out, are you getting paid market rate? And let's just say you're a um, manager, a director of operations, look on LinkedIn for director of operations that people used to have this role because people will not really tell you how much they're currently making. And if they do, they're probably going to amp it up because they want to make it seem like they earn more. But if you ask a person that used to do this role, then they can either say, oh yeah, Cody, you know, back in the day when I was director of operations, here's how much I made and this is how much they gave me in bonus. And, you know, they're usually already so far from that, like they're making so much more that they feel comfortable. Just like me saying like, oh, I used to get offered $7.25 an hour on my first job. I feel comfortable because I'm not, you know, disclosing how much I'm making or most people. Yeah, it's so irrelevant, right? Exactly. So that way you'll get a very more accurate or they might just tell you, you know what, Cody, honestly, I don't even remember how much I used to make, but I know that for my director of operations, here's what we offer them. It could be a salary range between 100 and 120. And because we're a public company, we offer them stock plus 10% bonus. Great. Then you ask, well, what makes you offer an employee 120,000 in comparison to the other people that get offered 100,000? Is there a specific skill set, expertise? What is it? And sometimes it might be a skill set. Well, if they have the skill set, then I know how valuable that is because it's so hard to find and it would really help like with the work and overall um, how the department is functioning. Well, then one, you might, if you have that skill set, highlight that when you go into interviews, that's the number one thing you're leading with, because we know that's the hardest skill to hire for. Mm. If you don't, then decide, can I learn this on like Coursera or Udemy on a weekend? Um, And if not say like why, you know, one of the things when you start, maybe that's an acquired skill set that you're willing to do during the job because you know how important it's going to be in the end goal for the department in itself. So that's how you ask at least get three to four people and all of a sudden you start seeing a range and then you start seeing like what are the um, high value skills that get, you know, tend to get offered more. So when I say that I help my clients get $100,000 salary increases, it's not because they're getting offered $100,000 and they're like, no, I want another $100,000. That's a huge jump. Yeah. Instead, I position them as the top set after candidate. So like I've had clients where they get same day job offers after they interviewed, or they'll say, you know what? I know you're interviewing other places. We had one more interview scheduled, but we're just going to send you a job offer. And if you sign within 24 hours, we'll even give you an additional bonus. If you start, if you stop interviewing at these other places, like those are the situations they're in again, because they did the research and because of, again, they did a lot of that work and we know exactly like what they're looking for. My clients tend already to automatically get offered on the higher end of that salary. So maybe they're like, oh, if it's up to 120, then they'll get offered 115. And all my clients do is negotiate an extra five, 10, 15, maybe 20,000. And they don't know, the employer doesn't know that you just made a hundred thousand dollars salary increase or 60,000, whatever that is. But that honestly is like the best way to get that salary range. Glassdoor, Google. I mean, I see so many websites out there. It's ridiculous. It'll say project manager, 40,000 up to 150. Okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Where do I fall it? Or what makes somebody get off? I'll take the 150. And he's like, no, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if yeah. you're trying to be a project manager and yep. not for profit expecting 150, not going to happen, but yeah. that's when conversations and networking, you start getting that insight. Well, is this, is, is this a norm for someone in, like within the finance company? Oh no. You know, usually technology companies tend to pay more, or if you become a project manager working with the technical teams, they tend to pay more. And then you make a choice. Do you want to learn those skill sets? Is that something that interests you? Or you're more of like, hey, I don't even want to, I, I'm not technical. I don't want to learn anything technical. I'm okay here. But 
doing the same role and maybe at a bigger company, there is a bigger salary increase. So let me start focusing on those bigger companies. So that way I can attain that salary. So I have two, because we got to cut off because I, I, I have so many questions for you, but I have two that I really want to, um, I really want to ask you because I think that they're very useful and in the actionable piece and also probably very low hanging fruit. First one is where do you suggest people look for open positions? Um, it could be on LinkedIn indeed. Um, I mean, for me, those are like leads. <laughs> I think of that. You can even look on like LinkedIn and just put hashtag hiring. Um, and then you, or you put quotations like bullying search and you put quotations hiring for, and you put the role and you look up post and then you can see sometimes hiring managers or HR people saying, Hey, we're hiring for this marketing manager role. If you are interested or know of anyone, please message me or private message me. Then you can private message them and say, hey, Cody, I noticed that you're hired for this role. I'm very interested. Um, you know, can, do you have availability you know, at the end of this week to talk for 15, 20 minutes more about the role? And then um, you know, we can take it from there. It's really yeah. like, it could be that easy. It's, so there are many multiple places. And if you're set on like, I really want to work at these companies. I really want to work at like, that Spotify, Hulu, Peloton. Then start networking with people. If you don't have someone in your network that works there, start finding them because Everyone wants to work at those companies. Like an average role gets around 250 applicants for one job posting. The Peloton, Spotify's, Facebook's, they get anywhere between 1,500 to 2,000 applicants for that one job posting. It's just too many people. Whoever's going to get ahead and kind of like who gets the Coast Guard analogy is the person that gets referred, they're going to be the first front of the line. So if you don't know someone, start finding and networking someone that can refer you. Because that instantly shows you as a problem solver, right? You had to get out of the crowd. Because I don't think most people know this, but like when you submit resumes, it's probably even worse now because I haven't done it in a long time. But it used to be like, it's all bots. Like it instantly like just like, you know, 500 people apply. It's going to wipe out, you know, whatever number, 450 of them without anybody ever laying an eye on it. Yeah. You know, and so. (laughs) It's an algorithm. So algorithms can be learned. So I like, I teach my clients how to get past the ATS system. I mean, I've had clients still get interviews at Google without a referral, but it, I, it's a lot easier if I had, if you have someone refer you and you get past the ATS system and you know exactly what the hardest skill to hire for. I mean, I have clients where they, they have Google, Facebook, and Amazon. And I'm not saying like, these are the only companies you want to go after, but I'm just saying the magnitude of how competitive it is. Everyone wants to work there. I have clients where they like the hiring or HR person of Google is coming to them through LinkedIn saying, Hey, Cody, I looked at your profile. Would you be interested in interviewing for this role? I think you'd be really great. And my clients are so confident. They already know what um, the market is paying. One of them actually was making like 90,000. Now she's um, getting approached to Google. And she said, unless the job offer pays my salary requirement minimum is 200,000. Unless if, if it can meet that, then I'd be happy to discuss. And then one of them said, no, not at the moment. And they came back, actually, we can actually meet your salary demands. Would you be interested in an interview? And we have some, you know, here's my next availability. Let me know what works best for you. Wow. They laid out the salary before having the interview, huh? So she was, uh, so she was making 90, then got a job for, uh, because they they reached out to her, right? So it was different. She was making, she's now making 150. So, and then like, she just started the job less than a year ago and she's already getting approached by like big companies. And she knows she just started. She loves where she works at. So she's like, unless it's 200,000 or more, and yeah. we already know that's what she's the market in a position of strength. Right? Yeah. I'm not interested in a conversation unless you can meet me there, then I'll entertain the conversation. 
And they would say, yes, actually we can make that work. And then from then on, you, then she can say, well, based on the roles and responsibilities, you know, I'm actually looking for a salary of 240. Is there any way we can close that gap? And that's like the $10,000 word for word script that I, you know, show my clients and I want to share with your audience. Like I said, I like tangible, actionable steps that anyone can apply to. So just go back, replay that portion. And that's what you say, like when it comes to um, positions or they get a job offer, you know, Cody, I'm so excited to, you know, for this position, becoming the director of operations. Um, as far as compensation, I know um, the job offer is for a hundred thousand. I'm actually looking for a salary of 120,000. Um, is there any way we can close that gap mm. and let them figure it out? If, sign on bonus. If they want to pay you in pennies for the $10,000, I, I mean, to me, it's like, I don't care how you pay me. Just make sure that you pay me and you get me to that number and I'm happy. It's so a, let it's them... such a soft close too. I love it. And yeah, so, it's, it's a like soft, it's... hard close. Cause it's like, Hey, how do we close that gap? And yeah, then you're asking and... your balls back in their court. Right. Exactly. And they have flexibility. Yeah. So if they were, if I were to say, um, can we do a base pay of 120? They're like, well, no, we can't. But if I say, is there any way we can close that gap? Well, we offer you hundred, we can offer you 110. And how about we give you $5,000 sign on bonus. And then we give you $5,000 professional stipend. Sure. I mean, personally, like it, I, again, it all depends on what you're looking for, but they have, um, areas or um, abilities to get to that number in many different ways yeah but Let they can't they, they can't give you 120 base so when you ask that question the answer is no now you think you've tried to negotiate and you haven't negotiated really you just gave them an easy out yeah i exactly. love that that's a that's a great tip right there um listen uh claudia i have really enjoyed learning and pulling the curtain back and talking to you about this uh i think it's a massively important skill set that is highly underserved um and the fact that you know, as someone that can, like I said, it, those platforms happen, regardless of whether we think they shouldn't happen or not, you see people, then you see the hiring managers do it too, right? Well, what'd you make at your last job? And it's like, oh, you made $20 an hour, well, I can give you 23, regardless of what the job is going to make for the company or anything else, right? So, um, you know, letting that go and thinking of it as a real estate piece of, you know, uh, of a house, like, just because a house was 100 grand doesn't mean it's worth 120, it could be worth $400,000 now, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, I love that advice. And so where do people find you and how do they find out and who should come find you? Well, my website, uh, claudatmiller.com. So T is in Tom, claudatmiller.com. And through there, I have a lot of resources and actually um, we'll be having soon the word for word sign negotiation scripts. So I gave you a portion of it, but like what happens if they say no? So they can get access to those scripts along with 36 other benefits they can negotiate besides their salary, because there's more to just salary. There's other benefits you can negotiate. I love that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll put some links in the show notes for that. And thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I think it like I said, if we can get this into our young people, I mean, it's just a, it's such a compounding uh, skill set that's going to be well served throughout their life. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Cody. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are 
a money talker.